lessons on you. I love that song. I don't know what it does for you guys, but for us women, our little hearts go. La, 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 la. We love to be led. That's how God created us. And God created you mentally. And we love to be led. But when I was praying about Father's Day message back a few months ago, I knew it, the title would be Living to Lead. And then God spoke Sheriff Shandell's name to me. So I called up Fresh Winds where he attends church and I talked to Pastor Chuck and I said, I, I feel like I'm supposed to ask the sheriff to come speak, and but I wanted your blessing. He attends your church and Pastor Chuck was all excited. He's like, yes, he'll be perfect. And because I told him the topic, he's like, he's got a story for you. And I'm like, oh. he didn't share the story with me. 
but I was so excited I got to hear it first service and, and I'm excited to tell you that this message living to lead is just going to change your world whether you're a man or you're a woman keep your ears open well before I introduce the sheriff let me just give you a little snapshot into his life Ted Shandell was born in Dearborn, Michigan, but his roots run deep in Benzie County. Ted's parents first purchased property in Benzie County in 1969. He would spend summers here until his family moved permanently to Benzie County in 1975. He then attended Michigan State University, where he received a degree from the School of Criminal Justice in 1980. Due to a lack of jobs in Michigan, he accepted an offer to work as a police officer with the city of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The Fort Lauderdale Police Department is over 400 officers strong. It is one of the most diverse and challenging areas in the country. Ted retired after 25 years of service in 2006. While an officer in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Ted met and married his wife, Kelly, and they raised their two daughters, Brooke and Brittany. Law enforcement seems to be a family passion. While Ted and Kelly were both police officers in Florida, now their daughter, Brooke, is a police officer in Davie, Florida, and Brittany is a police officer for the city of Hollywood, Florida. Ted's father, Paul Shendel, was the Benzie County prosecutor for 18 years. In November 2016, Ted Shendell was re-elected sheriff by the voters of Benzie County. He is honored and privileged to be able to serve the residents of Benzie County. His commitment to your safety is second to none. However, he cannot do it alone. He needs the input and support of you, the people. Together, we can build the best sheriff's office ever. Help me welcome today's special speaker, Sheriff Shendell. Good morning. Wow. Happy Father's Day. Uh, just this past last December, uh, my daughter had her first child, so now I'm a grandfather. And I can remember when I was younger, last thing I wanted to do was be called granddaddy, because that means you're old. But I'll tell you, children are truly a gift of God. It is just it is just amazing. So I welcome the opportunity to speak to all of you. It's an honor and a pleasure. Um, as I told the in the first service, I told everybody about my favorite bumper sticker. And it goes like this. We plan, God laughs. And it's so true. It really is. We all have a special purpose. God gives us a special purpose. Unique talents. Some folks can sing and, or play the drums. or you, We all have a purpose. Sometimes you don't realize what that purpose is, and that was kind of my case. I went along. I accepted Jesus Christ at a, a very young age. I uh, became a police officer. I felt it was a calling. Did my 25 years down in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm going to tell you I saw everything. I've looked into evil's eyes. And, and the sermon that's going to follow, because I heard the sermon, is powerful. Uh, your pastor is going to give a great sermon about evil and how to overcome it. But I've looked into the eyes of evil, and I can tell you it's scary. But knowing and having Jesus Christ in my heart gives me the strength to carry on and not be concerned about it. We will and always overcome evil. So if you ask me about 10 years ago, after I just freshly retired, I'm thinking I'm going fishing, I'm going to put my feet in the sand, and uh, if you would have asked me if I was going to be the sheriff of Benzie County, I probably would have chuckled. But again, we plan, God laughs. He had other he had other plans for me, and as it was, uh, I started working in uh, the Marine Patrol, just doing that on the weekends, ended up talking to the sheriff. sheriff was uh, uh, going to end his term, and he said, I think you should run for sheriff. You've got all the qualifications. I think you do a good job. So that's what happened. Uh, I ran for sheriff, and lo and behold, you folks elected me. Thank you. 
But I, I did it with a purpose, or with God's purpose, and that was to change the way we operate in the Benzie County Sheriff's Office. Um, I wanted our officers to make sure that they treat everybody equally and fairly, no matter who you are or what you look like. I, I felt that that was very important. I, want, I wanted to bring God back into the jail. Um, we we uh, started with Forgotten Man Ministries. I'm sure some of you have uh, heard of that, and we've implemented that in our jail. And that's helped out immensely because these are people that have been incarcerated for doing some things that um, were wrong. But as we all know, we all fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And we can all make mistakes. So we have to do everything we can to help those people and assist them uh, to rectify their mistakes and be uh, protective members of society. So we have all kinds of programs within the jail. We have uh, schools. We have, unfortunately, we have a lot of people that are addicted to certain things, such as alcohol and opiates and things along that line. And those are tough to overcome. But we have programs to try and help those folks uh, to get away from that and to uh, hopefully have a job waiting for them when they get out. So we're, we're doing all kinds of things. One of the recent programs that we uh, just implemented was a program where uh, a couple people come in with a recording device, and you, the um, prisoner has an opportunity to pick a book. These are for um, prisoners that have children at home. And they get to read this book, and it's recorded. And then what these folks do is they take the recording along with the book and send it to the child so that child can hear mom or dad read them a story at bedtime. So it's, it's been very, very um, welcomed, and it's been very successful. So why am I standing here? Um, what led me to this? Again, I believe it was God. I believe it was Jesus. Uh, he's the one that, that directed me down that path uh, to run for this position. And, you know, I, this is my 36th year in law enforcement. It's, it's been a very long career, and like I said, I've seen all kinds of things. But I can truly tell you that, you know, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. He saved my life. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I was working patrol, and we have these things that are called off-duty details. In other words, when you're done working for the city, you can then go work for another organization. So I was working for a famous restaurant down there called Houston's. Basically, they'd have an officer there from maybe 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning. Just make sure nothing happens, nobody gets robbed, and uh, uh, if, if some people you know, have a little bit too much to drink, we make sure that we get them uh, a ride home from a friend or, or what have you. So on this one particular night, uh, I was working the detail. I was just around closing time. I was looking out in the parking lot, and I saw a lone vehicle. I thought, oh, that's strange. All the other employees, why is that vehicle there? So I started out towards the vehicle. I had a flashlight. I was going to check the interior of the car. But halfway between the restaurant and the car, God spoke to me. And he said, stop. And this, this voice, I mean, when God speaks to you, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, you know it. You don't argue about it. You just listen to what he has to say. And he told me to stop. He told me to stop turn around, and go back into the building. And that's exactly what I did. As it turns out, I went back into the building, met with the manager, told him it's time for me to leave. Would you like me to stay? He goes, no, I'm, I'm training a new employee. You, you go ahead and go, and we'll lock up after you. Well, that was the key. I'd given him the key, and he was supposed to lock up after me. But something happened. He got busy or whatever, and he left the front door open. So I left. I got in my vehicle and left. In that car were four masked gunmen who went in and robbed the restaurant after I had left. Uh, they, they got a considerable amount of money, but uh, they, they hurt the people that were inside. They pistol whipped them pretty bad. But they called the police, and uh, we responded immediately. I was already on my, home, on my way home, and I, hadn't, I didn't even hear this until they contacted me later. Um, we were able to catch all four of them. So we're able to uh, return the money and, and charge them. But in the aftermath of arresting them, they talked to, uh, the detectives talked to them and said, um, didn't you know there was a police officer? 
Oh, yeah, we knew there was a police officer. We saw him. Well, what were you going to do? Well, if he had walked up to the car, we were going to shoot and kill him and just leave. So I heard that. Detectives told me that. So I know that Jesus exists. He, he saved my life. And uh, it, it, it's an amazing thing because dealing with evil like I have in the past, you know that if you don't have Jesus in your heart, something else will occupy that. So that's why it's important on all of us that are sitting here today, to, as we go forth in our community and talk to our friends and neighbors, is to spread the gospel, spread the good news, introduce them to Jesus and how he can help them and make their lives so much better. Because I know he's, he's done that for me. He's, he surely has. It was funny, you know, the uh, pastor said, you know, men are to lead. And uh, although my wife sometimes doesn't actually agree with that all the time, I have to admit. But I do my best. Um, I have two daughters. Uh, they're both police officers. I say prayers every night for their safety. Because, I, like I said in the first service, folks, we're living in a different world. Things are changing rapidly. And it's, I've never seen it this bad or this divided or, or hatred that we have for a president. It's just, it just... It just befuddles the mind that we've come this far, and that's why it's so important for us that believe in Jesus Christ to make sure that we get that message out there so that we can overcome this. And we will. We actually know the outcome of this. We've read the Bible. We win. <laughs> so, again, I want to thank you very much. Um, it's an honor to be your sheriff, and thank you so much for reelecting me. Um, everything I do is for the people. Before I spend a penny, I think, is this the right way to spend the money for the people? Is this the right program that we need? So the first thing that I do before I make any decisions is, is to make sure that it's right for the people, not for the county or the commissioners. I work for you. And uh, I am honored to do that. And I thank you so much for this opportunity to come up here and speak with you all. If you have any questions later on, uh, I'll be out in the hallway. You can ask any questions you want. But again, thank you so much for inviting me. It certainly was a pleasure. God bless everybody. Awesome. All right, well, turn with me in your Bibles to Job chapter 2. Again, the message, living to lead. You've probably heard the story of Job one time or another in the horrible tragedies he went through. And, you know, his friends, which, well, we won't even talk about the friends, but, you know, and the the campfire and but what I want to focus on is in chapter one and a little bit into chapter two how it all started because as bad as we think our life can get and that we have reason for being angry being upset we have reason we're justified in our in our defiance of the wrongs that are happening to us. Job paints a picture for us that explains God's Father heart that should be in every one of us, men especially, because I'm talking to you today. So in Job chapter 1, starting with verse 1, it says, In the land of Oz, where there was a wee little... No, in the land of Uz or Uz or... Lollipop gang? No. In the land of Uz... There lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Remember how I've been teaching you to read the Bible? Ask questions as you're going. This man was blameless and upright. How was he blameless and upright? He feared God and shunned evil. Verse 2, he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man 
among all the people of the East. Is there any man here today who would not like to be called that? The great, you'd just be okay with just being the greatest man in your house, right? We'll pray at the end of this service. Let me just take a second. That, that blameless and upright, blameless refers to Job's moral integrity, his wholehearted commitment to God. Blameless. Moral integrity, wholehearted commitment to God. Upright denotes his right standing with God in both his word, in his thought, and in his deeds. Upright means he's right with God in everything he thinks, everything he says, and everything he does. He was blameless and upright. How? He feared God and shunned evil. Verse 4. As sons used to take turns. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them. Thinking, perhaps... My children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. These are grown children. I mean, how often do we want to shrug our shoulders and say, well, they're adults, they need to fend for themselves. But he made it his mission, his responsibility, even for his grown children, that I know that they're doing right, but just in case they might think wrong or, or have a motive in their heart that's not right, I'm going to pray for them daily. I'm going to sacrifice for them. I'm going to make them. Oh, nobody likes hearing that word. I'm going to urge them strongly to go get right with God just to make sure. Perhaps, maybe, you've sinned against God or thought evil in your heart. Because, really, we're human, don't we? I've had to do way too many funerals for babies. Way too many already. And I'll tell you, it's hard to hold your heart steady during those times. It is. But Job made it his regular custom that maybe perhaps, even in their heart, even in their thought, he wanted them to stay right with God. Says as a godly parent, Job was deeply concerned for his children's spiritual welfare. He watched their conduct and lifestyle, praying that they would be kept from evil and would experience God's blessing and God's salvation. Job exemplifies a father whose heart is turned to his children by devoting time and attention necessary to keep them from a life of sin. I like that. That's the father heart. I mean, we have a heavenly father. Isn't that his heart for us? That he's devoted himself to us. He's made every provision for us so that we can, he can keep us from a life of sin. So then it goes down into, here it is in verse 6, the first test. Let me just read this to you. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Dude can be everywhere, can he? Even in God's presence. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? What you been up to? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. Why? He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Oh, Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? 
Come on, God, look at his life. Have you not put a hedge around him and all his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch your hand against what you've given him, and he will surely curse you to your face. God says, ooh, a challenge. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, go ahead. Touch whatever he has, but don't lay a finger on Job, and we'll see who's right. Okay, I just threw that in there. Then Satan went out from his presence to go after Job. Now, I will save you, but you, I mean, if you haven't read this story, you need to read this story. Because the first thing is that Satan goes after his, all his ox, all his donkeys. Raises up this army, comes up against him, steals all his oxen, all his donkeys, kills the servants attending to them. Only one escapes is he's running to Job to tell him what happened. He's the only one that escaped. While he's running to Job to tell him what's happening, all the servants are killed that was attending him. Fire falls from heaven, from the sky, burns up all the sheep and all the servants attending the sheep, but one escaped so that he could run and tell Job what's happening. While he's running to Job telling him what's happened, all the camels are stolen. And the raiders came in and stole all the camels, killed the servants except for one, so he could run and tell Job what had happened. While he was running to Job to tell what's happened, the house where all of his sons and all of his daughters were collapsed on them, killed all of them and all the servants with them except for one, so he could run. Isn't that how Satan does it? Yeah. Except for the one that could run and tell Job. So one right after the... Another bang, 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 tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. If you ever had your life seem like it's tragedy after tragedy, you know, you just get your breath back and you're hit down again. Job's response, verse 20. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, taking some time there, Shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. In worship. And said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with any wrongdoing. I have to admit before you, I have not always been good in this area. But here it is, it's laid out for us. When it seems like the world is just throwing them at us, throwing and knocking us down and knocking us down and knocking us down. We have an example here to not just stand up, but to fall down and worship. Fall down and worship. The name of the Lord be praised. I wanted to share the video with you, but I tell you, I, I, don't, I don't cry very often. But that one sends me to tears. And I mean like sobbing tears. I can't stop. And I knew I wouldn't be able to preach after it. But there's a video of a worship pastor, young worship pastor too, did so much, loves God, full of love. I mean, this is a good man. Young married wife is in the hospital with her. They gave her just a couple weeks to live. I mean, it came on fast. And he's believing, he's calling in everybody, pray for her, lay hands on her, believe fast for her, everything, and believe in God. I know you can heal her. I know I sing about it all the time. I know you can heal her. And yet he had to say goodbye to her. And she died. And everything within him, he said, wanted to scream out why. But he knew what he had to do, and he picked up his guitar and started to worship while his dead wife lay there in the hospital bed. 
He worshipped God in the hospital room. See, the world might come upon us, but God is within us. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Remember I showed you Psalm 23? What does it say? It doesn't say I'll pull you out of the valley of the shadow of death, does it? He said, I'll be with you in it. I'll be with you through it. That's why Job could worship. He knew God wasn't somewhere far off, apart from him and away from him. He knew God as a good, good father was with him and in him. And no, we might not understand. No, we don't need to know all the answers. But when the world comes again, when trauma or trials or tragedy comes upon us, we can fall to our knees and worship. Because God is still a good, good father. And he goes on. That wasn't enough. Satan goes before the Lord again. And God says, told you so. He said, oh, Lord, Brenda paraphrased. Brenda version says, he says, oh, Lord, he hasn't cursed you because you saved his own skin. See, he really didn't care about his kids. He really didn't care about his skin. He didn't care about that stuff. He's just happy you saved his own skin. That's why he didn't curse you. And God's like, really? Go ahead. Touch him. Do whatever you want to him, just don't kill him. And so Satan left, of course, afflicted, afflicted Job with boils so bad all over. Men, think about this a second. All over. So bad that it says that he had to take broken pottery and scrape his skin to get some kind of relief. And if that wasn't bad enough, his wife, in verse 9, had to give her opinion of what he should do. Listen to what she says. Chapter 2, verse 9. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? What? That's it. Job, blameless, upright, integrity. He knows his moral resolution is God is good all the time. And his wife, his wife, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Well, thank you, wife. Needed those encouraging words. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, for the helpmate you've given me and my wife. Curse God and die. And he replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from the Lord and not trouble? And in all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. Job has set an example for us. How as men, how as women, can we live blameless and upright? How can we hold fast to our integrity? Fear God and shun evil. Know that God is good all the time. We are charged, men, you especially, are charged to lead. Lead. Paul said in the New Testament, follow me as I follow Christ. The only one you're not to lead is God. You follow God, you lead everyone else. You set the example. You lead Living to lead means a wholehearted commitment to God. Standing right with God in your word, in your thought, and in your deeds, no matter what your circumstances are, whether good or bad. And when I got a picture of 
this living to lead, this holding fast to your integrity, that resolution that you should have inside of you. I had a picture of a, a buoy out in the middle of the ocean that just stands there. Sure, the waves might throw it one way or the other, but it does not move. Why? Because it's anchored directly down. And if your integrity is anchored directly with God, God, I don't understand why this has happened. I don't understand why that's happening. This is coming at me. That's coming at me. But God, I know you are a good, good father. And I will hold fast to that. That's what I'm calling you to. A moral integrity, a moral wholehearted commitment to God, to fear God and shun evil. And I've been praying that this message would awaken within every man here like a war call. It's time to stand up. It's time to lead. Because we need you. I'm speaking as a woman now. We need you to lead. We have to have men who will lead. And I had this scripture go through my head and then Amy pulled me aside before first service and said, I heard this in pre-service prayer and I'm supposed to share it with you. I said, yeah, that's it. That's the scripture. It says, you have many teachers, but you don't have very many fathers. See, you might not have any children, but you are called to be a father. Because there's men, there's women that need you to lead. We need you to stand up, hold fast to your moral integrity, anchor yourself in the good, good, goodness of God, your heavenly father. And so in light of this message, living to lead, and last week's message, realizing the vision, I, when we put together the gift bags for fathers with ushers, would you hand those out for me? If you got a gift bag for service, don't be greedy and grab another one. While we were putting these gift bags together, I really felt um, empowered by God to challenge you as men and I wrote on, I put in, I was going to hold on to them, but somebody took it back away from me. Um, I put within each one of your bags a $2 bill. And men 17 and up, I want you to have one. Actually, Tyler, you led the way for all the men in the first service. Go ahead. As, as many bags as we can, if we got enough for even 13 and up. There's no reason why you can't stand up as a man at 13. But I put a challenge together. On that $2 bill, there's scriptures, two scriptures, two parables. And you might think, well, if I read one, I don't have to read the other. You need to read both. They're the parable of the talents. So when the king gave talents, different amounts to different servants. And then he told them to, he didn't tell them anything. He just gave them resources and went away. Whoa, hey, see, right out of your shoe. Stepping right out of your shoe. And he went away. He didn't tell them, now I want you to go invest in the stock market with that money. I want you to go do No, he just gave them resources and went away. Both the stories, it says he came back again. And when he returned, he called them in to give an account. Of what he had given them. So he calls up the first and says, uh, what did you do with what I gave you? And the one's like, look at you gave me this. And I went and I doubled it. And here, king, is what you gave me plus what I did with it. Same thing with the second one. And then you'll see in the stories. But the third one, well... They just went and buried what they had. They didn't use wisely what they had been given. And see, my challenge questions to you today, and it's on that $2 bill if you look at it. 
says, what will you do with what you've been given? We've all been given different things. For some of us, it's maybe a children. Right? We'll all have to give an account for what we've been given. So my question to you is try to Try to play out. What, what do you think that day is going to look like? It says, when he does return, we'll all have to give account. And he pulls Devin up before him and he says, Devin, what have you done with the children I put in your life? Jacob, what have you done with the friends I put around you? We're all going to have to give an account. Think about some of those questions. What have you done with what you've been given? For some of you, it's children. For some of you, it's a wife. For some of you, it's your nieces. It's your nephews. For some of you, it's your fellow workers. For some of you, it's your schoolmates, your friends. For some of you, it's the gas station attendant. The cashier at Shop and Save. That you like her so much because she rings your stuff up fast that you go to her every time. What have you done with that? What have you done with her? What have you done with what you've been given? That's the question. That's the challenge. And so I put a $2 bill in there because a $1 bill is so common that I know you men and you'll... You would have pulled it out, stuck it in your pocket, and it would have been gone before lunch. Be like, what did she give me? What, what does this paper go to? But a $2 bill, I think, is unique enough that you might set it on your dresser. And I'm hoping it will remind you. And I don't want you, listen now. Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. I don't want you to bury it. I don't want you to frame it. I don't want you to mount it. Because now that $2 bill is a resource in your hand. What are you going to do with what's been given to you? Last week we talked about realizing the vision. We're talking about the 60 by 20 new addition for a kid's wing and for a bigger sanctuary. On the wall also we talked about the vision and the dreams we've had for a cornerstone campus and everything that entails. But that's the bigger. That's the vision. That's what's coming. But God says Remember, at the end of both those stories, you've been faithful with little, so now I'll make you rulers over much. He's not going to give us a much if we're not faithful with the little. So what are you doing with what's been given to you? So as Amy comes back up to close, and I'm going to have her play that song that I love. Did, have you even titled that song yet? I keep calling it Peter's song. Brave. Oh, I love that song. Because it talks about Peter. Remember when he stepped out of the boat and he lost track of God's focus? He began to sink. And he says, help me, God, just keep my eyes on you. I like that. It goes with the whole lead me. And I can't do this alone. You need God. He's given you everything you need to do what he's calling you to do. God is our heavenly father who has given us very specific instructions for what we need to do now while we're on this earth. Are you being obedient to your heavenly father is my closing question. So would you please just stand up and Let's just focus for a minute on that question. Ask him. God, am I being obedient to you, my heavenly father? Have I been a good steward? Am I being a good steward of the things you've given me? I pray right now that you 
God would give you the strength to be honest with him and yourself. And if he starts showing you things in your life where you've been less than obedient, that you'd call out to him today and make a recommitment like Job did. A wholehearted commitment. A wholehearted commitment to be blameless and upright. To fear God and shun evil. And no matter what the circumstance, whether good or bad, whatever it is, I can be anchored. My moral integrity can be anchored in the fact that God is a good, good Father. And so whether I'm going through good times or bad times, you can always worship God. Worship God. And if you need to me to make a recommitment today to do that, to make that wholehearted commitment resolution today as a man of God or a woman of God, or maybe you don't even have a commitment yet with God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God yet. Or you've walked so far away from it, you know today's your day to come back again. I want you to come up front. Can I ask the ushers or the altar team to come up front? And what we want to do is we want to close today for those who need to make that recommitment to get refocused, to come up front and get prayed for. But I also want every man in here today to come up front. We want to pray for you. Come up front. We want to pray that God will give you wisdom to be a good steward of all he's given you. And like Amy said earlier, Bill Johnson said, you know, uh, that what, how would you walk if you knew that there was a dove setting on your shoulder? You would be mindful of that dove. I want you to be mindful of all the resources God has given you. Yes, please start praying for these men. Wisdom on them. Wisdom. That they will be mindful of all the resources they've been given and would begin walking as good stewards, good faithful stewards, blameless and upright, fearing God and shunning evil. In Jesus' name. Amy, would you please sing that song? He said, come, so I was praying. I stepped out into the waves. When I keep my case on, I can do anything. Then the waves were crashing high. I couldn't see your eyes. I started sinking faster. You held out your hand, oh, I get a little lost sometimes. I'm looking for your eyes, but when I keep my case on, I can do anything. I get a little lost sometimes. I'm looking for your eyes. When I keep my gaze on I can do anything I said come so I was praying Stepped out into the wind When I keep my gaze on I can do anything Then the waves were crashing high I couldn't see your eyes Started sinking faster You held out your hand Oh, I get a little lost sometimes I'm looking for your eyes Cause when I keep my case on I can do anything I Get a little lost sometimes I'm looking for your eyes When I keep my case on I can do anything I Get a little lost sometimes 
I'm looking for your eyes When I keep my case on God, I can do anything I get a little lost sometimes I'm looking for your eyes When I keep my case on I can do I can do anything I can do anything 